2: What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline podcast. You're listening to episode 258. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler recording on a Wednesday night, a little late, but all of our kids have issues. How are you guys doing tonight?
0: I'm good. Tired, but good. Kids are finally back at daycare. I'm back in work, which I was kind of working last week as well, but I don't really count it as much. Uh, Other than that, just tired because I was up this morning with being back at work at five o'clock. So I'll be again tomorrow. So probably after we're done recording tonight, I'll be going to bed. Ryan's kids are at the germ pit. Tyler, how are you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, Started a new job today, making more money. So we all love that. Besides that, obviously did not really get to stay up and watch that game last night. Would have liked to, but started a new job today. So didn't really get to see a lot of it. Did see the highlights though. Shout out to Michigan. Getting to the national title game, I you know I had to say Get it. And I know you, it was a good game. It was a really good game. Nah, fuck him. It was a hell of a game. I know Ryan. His special teams are garbage, Tyler. Oh, I agree with you 100%. It's almost like the wrong team was in the playoff. Ah, well, you, you know, you could be right with that, but we'll could see. debatable. Yeah, what well, you're saying Florida State should have been in? Florida State, Georgia. Bama didn't deserve ever to be anywhere near that game. Could be right. But anyways, yeah, I'm doing good, and I hope you guys are as well.
2: After a calamitous, just calamitous holiday season, I'm ready for everything to be over. Uh, I'm just going to start by saying I hate West Coast trips. Uh, They are the bane of my existence. I think they're super awesome if you're, like, under the age of 30. They're probably really cool. You can stay up. You can, I don't know, what do kids do these days? Tyler, drink. We used to, like, drink Four loco and stuff. Sleep in. That's not around anymore, but no, I, like I know to go what to I bed. used
1: to do. Like, you know, when the wings were in the Western conference and living where I do at Boston, I would like get home from hockey practice. I would take a little nap. I'd wake up and watch the game. I'd go to sleep and then take I'd a wake nap. up. You hear that good? Take a nap. What a life. Yeah, I'd wake up again for hockey practice in the morning. This is in high school at this point. And, you know, and then kind of do it all over again. But now. I mean, st- with me starting a new job yesterday or today, I guess, um, like it just the thought of having to stay up past 12 o'clock to watch a game. I mean, it's one thing if it was like, you know, a Friday or something or, or like a Thursday and, you know, tomorrow's Friday kind of thing. But, you know, you're starting a new job. You want to be as fresh as you can. So didn't get to see a lot of the game, unfortunately. But like, honestly, at this point in time of my life, it's hard to stay up like that and try and watch games uh, and then, you know, be productive the next day. I stayed
2: up until the demon hours of like 115 in the morning. And I'm like, I was telling Ryan before I hit record, I I turned my TV off as soon as we won and I was asleep in like five minutes. It was like an instant right to bed.
1: I'll say one thing and and like this might make me a Fairweather fan or something. But if the team was a cup contender, I probably would do what I used to do, get home from the gym, take a nap, and then wake up and watch the game or not take a nap and, and just kind of suffer the next day. But, like, you know, this team obviously worth my time, worth watching, but, you know, at what expense kind of thing. And, and you know, that's that's kind of one thing that I kind of have, have tried to, you know, get towards, like, as I've gotten older, like, it's it's hard to to give your time all your time to something when you know they're not a stanley cup contender
2: yeah to be under the age of 30 again that
1: would be that (laughs) in a perfect world i would stay up and watch every single game um but you know life just kind of happens so
2: all right so we have red wing stuff to talk about we've got the pwhl it had their kickoff on january 1st they've had several games we've got six teams one of them's not detroit kind of angry about that uh, and there's other news about the World Junior Championships. What do we want to tackle first? What do you guys feel like doing? Let's do
0: PW.
2: Sweet. So the PWHL, the first game was the New Yorks against you the Toronto. that is
0: real quick, just in case.
2: Yeah, PWHL is a professional women's hockey league. So all of the other women, disjointed women's hockey leagues, were basically like burned to the ground and reformed uh, by Billy, by famous athlete Billie Jean King, amazing woman. And they're just so now we have the PWHL. We've got Minnesota, Boston, New York, Ottawa, Montreal, and Toronto. Uh, The first game was New York against Toronto. New York had a shutout in their first game. Uh, What we are going to do tonight, because we support hockey, and the game was great. So we're going to pick our team. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I watch. I'm watching Minnesota, Boston right now. But we have our three U.S. teams on these little green pieces of paper. I'm going
0: to throw them in my. And you know why it's only the US teams? Because Canada sucks.
2: Yeah, the the fans are the same regardless, and I just can't deal with it anymore. Uh, But I've got the 97 Red Wings Stanley Cup Champs hat here with tags. Beautiful pieces. Asterisk to
0: the Canada sucks, unless you're a Red Wings fan, then you're okay.
2: But we're going to pick our team. So here we go. I'm going to put them in this hat. I'm going to shake it up and shake it up. Uh, And we are going to pick our team.
0: Let's shake it off.
2: Okay, our team. Boston. Boston. So Captain Hillary Knight. Hillary Knight is the captain of Boston. Oh, and yeah. uh she's team USA. So I guess we'll go. We okay, we are now Team Boston. Uh they are actually, uh, I think, decently good. I mean they're losing right now three to one to Minnesota.
0: Feels dirty. Uh,
2: yeah, but that isn't gonna be our team until Detroit gets a team because I feel like we were snubbed. Oh, it looks the cars car saying shake it up.
0: There we go. I Jesus
2: thought i Ryan. Sunk. Told you. So my notes. <laughs> I watched the first game. I watched New York versus Toronto. It was great that Toronto got shut out. But the thing that kind of pulled out of it is that the game got really chippy and the refs let them play. That's the one thing. They didn't immediately break up contact. It is a checking league. It's just not a fighting league. So they can finish checks and they can hit. There's just like no huge open ice hits, but they can finish. So it's almost like
0: the, the Olympics have it wrong when it comes to how they should oh, let the man, go. Or any say. other women's league. Mm, weird.
2: So it was super fast-paced, very solid action. I was really happy with the product. I really hope it sticks because there's a lot of girls in hockey and there's a lot of talent there. And even watching this game, I mean, faster than the Red Wings have played in over a week.
0: So, I was going to say, it was it was pretty high-paced in what I was able to see. There was a lot of back and forth. They eliminated room as soon as someone was on the puck. Like It, it took what you're used to with international play to a different level because you're so used to the U S and can Canada, sometimes Sweden ish, like the a few teams destroying everything. Now you've got a lot of them together. Now, granted there is Sweden, Swedish leagues and, and European leagues that I don't know how many of would have come across for this, but now you've got quote unquote balanced rosters. We'll see how things play out, but no, it definitely was a, to me, nice to see a high-level compete game, kind of like what you would get from USA and Canada.
2: And if you want to watch it, all the games are available for free on YouTube. You just go to YouTube, you search PWHL, the channel is there, all the games go up for free. Uh, it's also on a couple other, I think the uh, CBC is broadcasting it and a few other channels in Canada are. But I mean, it's like, like Ryan said, it's, it's been a fast-paced game. There's been a lot of action. They get mad. I mean, I've seen them get mad and I saw some pretty gnarly cross checks and high hits and the refs let them play as they should because they want to be playing the same style of game. They want to be playing hockey that everyone's accustomed to and that people are going to watch and that's how they're going to watch it. People really don't watch the NHL for fights anymore. Fights happen, but it's not the 80s. People aren't watching just to watch someone beat someone up. They're watching more for skill, which these women have.
0: The light, the woman sitting next to me at the uh, New Year's Eve game, that was the one thing she talked about was how she loved the fights. Cause she was older, so she grew up on Eiserman and the cup runs through the 90s. And her, I think it was, she said it was her daughter or daughter-in-law. That's all she watched hockey for was the way for someone to punch someone in the face. So it's kind of funny you mention that. Random story. I know it was one person sitting next to me, but ironic timing.
2: And it is a lot of the older people be like, we need enforcers back and all that. But a lot of like a majority of hockey fans, do they enjoy the fighting when it happens? Yes. Are they watching it for that to happen? No, they're watching for teams to score goals. They're watching for great play to happen. They're watching for the skill of the players. They're not just watching to watch people beat each other up. And like I said, the women's games have that. I mean, I'm like right now. This is better than some of the NHL games I've watched. It's certainly better officiated than the NHL games that I've watched recently. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it has a good start. I hope it continues to be this good. Like I said, you can watch all of it on YouTube. Uh, we're going to have to, I guess, do more research on Boston. We're going to have to follow more of the games and uh, keep track of what Hillary Knight does. But I highly recommend people watch it. I would it. actually and, uh,
1: go to a game. I think they're playing at uh, Warrior Ice Arena where the uh, the Bruins Practice if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure how much the tickets are, but I would actually go to a game and check that out. I mean, I've always been on the record like you know some people are are anti you know certain hockey and and whatever. Oh, there are people that are automatically against women's sports for no reason. I'm one of those people that like I'm not gonna watch like some like certain sports, but hockey is one sport that you could put me in a rink and whether it's women, men. Um, you know, mixture of the two, uh, I'll watch it. I love hockey, you know, I mean, whether it be the NHL or college hockey or women's college hockey, I love it. Any hockey at a high level or even even not at a high level, I'm I'm all about it. I officiate hockey myself, so I'm an arm, I guess, an extension of USA hockey. So, I mean, and the fact that it's physical and the fact that it's fast Um, I mean, that's certainly a good thing. You know, you talk about, you know, a lot of people saying they let
0: them do or don't let them do for the Olympics.
1: Exactly. And and, I mean, people have always said the reason that they don't do that is because women are prone to concussions more often or something like that. But I always thought that was kind of bullshit. It's like, just let them hit. The men can hit. Why can't the women hit? So their games are at the Zongas Center. Oh, it's in Lowell. UMass Lowell. Oh. Wow. Okay, that's even closer to me then. All right, so I, I might have to take in a game or two and uh, see see what that's all about. Did I say that right is it the Zongas Zongas Arena. Yeah, you got it. Nailed yeah, it. they used to have an AHL team, the uh, Lowell Lock Monsters, and then the Lowell Devils that used to play there. So I'm all for it. I mean, I think th- I think it'll be good to to help grow the women's game. Hopefully, they'll get some names at some point. Because I mean, I don't know why it's You've just got Toronto. The best and... American player on your team.
2: No, he means team names, and that's another oh, thing. They oh, don't have team names or logos like, yet. Come on. All their jerseys are the same, with the city name diagonally across in different colors. And that's the one, I think, misstep. How? Well, because I think what happened is there was originally a, a list of names released. Did their stuff get stuck in customs like the homes from Bobbleheads? Like, what the hell is it? The, the leaked list of names was terrible. Like, a lot of the names were really bad. And I think they saw the reaction to like the leaked. maybe they leaked the list, and they saw the reaction. They're
1: like, "We can't name them these. They're terrible. I mean, you're regional for area, like areas known for hockey. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you can do some sort of female like Minnesota Wild kind of thing, or like a female Bruins or female New York Rangers or Islanders. Like I'm not saying that specifically, but same color scheme, same idea different logo like the, they had the new york riveteers i think in one of the leagues so it was the riveters like rosie the riveter
2: there was a leaked list that the team names were going to be the toronto torch the montreal echo the ottawa alert the minnesota superior the boston wicked and the new york sound okay those bad. boston wicked the boston wicked was like the <laughs> only team name i liked that's a great name wicked yeah, exactly. So I I don't I think they saw the reaction and they took it back. And those I mean, the two games in SFX
1: season are probably the only two I can appreciate. There's an there's a team called the Owen Attack Sound in the OHL. Yeah. Sure. Like that's that's a pretty good name, I think. But I'm sure they will get them and, and you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, it's a success and they're able to, you know, incorporate more. Megan Duggan is someone that's kind of close, not close to me specifically, but close to this region here in Massachusetts. And um, you know, she always said that like she had to do like other jobs and stuff because you know, playing in the national or playing for the team USA and then just you know doing the Olympics every four years wasn't a sustainable living. So hopefully, they can get to a point where they're making a sustainable amount, you know, to live and and you know even even more. But the one thing that I think, and it's been on social media, uh,
2: that the NHL could adopt from this league, which I think is a great idea, is the shorthanded goal situation. So, the one rule that they have is if your team is on the power play and the team on the penalty kill scores a shorthanded goal, they get their player out of the box. That ends your power play. And I think that does a couple things. One, it gives the penalty kill a reason to be aggressive. Then you get your kind of power kill situation where they're trying to retrieve the puck. They're trying to get it up on the ice. They're not trying to play keep away. They're not trying to stall for time. And it keeps the power play honest. The power Mm -hmm. play is not trying to cheat play. They know that if they give it away and the penalty kill scores, they're done with the power play. And I think it, It brings not just a little more action to the game, but it just keeps the game rolling. It doesn't because we've seen power plays that will cheat. We've seen penalty kills that will just stall. They'll pass back and forth. They'll pass back behind the goal. They'll stall for time. What I think this does is it it just keeps the game rolling at a higher pace and it gives the penalty kill like a get out of jail card if you can score shorthanded. Now for the Red Wings, this would be terrible.
0: Yeah, this would be the worst rule of all time.
2: So many shorthanded goals against them, but I think it could be interesting. And I think it's an interesting way to shake up the game without really super affecting anything.
0: I'm going through because I hadn't had a chance to look at it until actually now, but on The Athletic, Pierre LeBron actually has a full article of NHL rule changes I want to see in 2024. From the power play tweaks to a new point system. And it was inspired by the PWHL's innovative new rulebook. And the two minute power play or the, the power play one is on there. Uh, he talks about the expanded overtime, which what I really like though, which I didn't even realize was a thing is that the PWHL picked up the 3-2-1-0 point system. So this is how the PWHL does it.
2: They're awarded three points for a regulation win, two Huge. points for an overtime or shootout win one Mm -hmm. point for an overtime or shootout loss and zero points for regulation loss so they do have a 3-2-1 system
0: that is what the nhl 100 needs Uh, you you look at soccer for instance or football toronto would be so much further down right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) and they should be i mean are they're winning cool that's good job but you look at what that does in like the premier league and other in soccer like you have three points for a win, one for a draw, none for a loss. Like I love that. I love the three, two, one because now it puts an emphasis on winning before time expires. Yes, you want to try to get a point from overtime, but this is that is huge. And if it's something the NHL would do, I mean, yeah, you'll probably have some records broken again in terms of the points, but I really don't care at that stage of things
1: if they made that change. I think that one's genius. I'll say one thing I kind of agree with you that it that it should come in I don't think it will I think there's zero chance it comes in I'll tell you why because I think that a lot of the the focus that Gary Bettman and and Bill Daly and the guys have always preached parity and I don't think that that creates more parity I think that creates less parity because you're not getting you you're not getting that pity point like for going to overtime or shootout so like it it creates Three points for the team that wins, but then it creates zero if you lose and, and over. Oh, wait, wait are you no, saying you get a you point get... if you lose an in over, in overtime or a shootout? Oh, so you're just saying, oh, OK, I, I would be OK with that. Yeah, that but the
2: winner point, but... only gets two points for an overtime win. So
0: an overtime win would be like it is now. Actually, overtime and shootout would be basically how it is now. Two and one. But if you win in regulation, that's where things really change. So what are the standings right now? regulation wins Tampa or Toronto has 11 regulation wins Detroit has 14 Tampa 15 so yeah so Toronto would fall below us that is a point swing immediately because of a 3-2-1 system
1: uh, one thing that I'm I'm for and I'm not sure if LeBron said anything about that on his I don't want a shot clock in overtime I don't think that that no. would help but I want ties give me ties I think you shouldn't be able to take the pass the red line. Blue line. You can come out of your own zone if you want to nope. swing out, but you nope. can't. You can't go past the red line. You should be stuck in your own zone. If you get
0: if you bring it out intentionally, or if it's not a deflected pass, then it's a turnover. Yeah, but they don't want more whistles, though. No, it doesn't turn into a whistle. It's an off. It's like an offside call. But that's still a whistle. No, it's not. It doesn't have to be. I'm saying it's an immediate turnover that you're not allowed to touch the puck until you the other team takes it. You can't touch the control. puck. If you it's touch like a the puck, sti- it it's turns a whistle. into like a high stick or something else, and then maybe it does turn into a whistle. If you touch the puck, they whistle it, and they face off in the other zone. Like an ice- yeah, but
1: they don't want more whistle. I think they want less whistles. So, I mean, I, in theory, I agree with you, but I think I think the red line is the happy medium. Like, you can come out of your zone if you need to regroup, but you're going to go all the way back.
2: Screw them. Now we're moving into rule changes, which is like a whole nother <laughs> subject.
1: I also think, I also think though, if, if you made the overtime 10 minutes and three on three, you're going to get winners. I think you can do seven and win. You think and so? That gets, that gets you better.
2: What if you did five minutes of four on four and
0: five minutes of three on three? That's where I think you'll lose people. Because four on four. It's already, t- I mean, yeah, it's more ice. That could be beneficial, but we saw it. Even I just, just think it wears guys out. Four on four or three on three? having that much of an extended overtime. Oh, yeah. If you go to 10 minutes, I think so.
2: We're getting in the weeds with rule changes. So I think we're going to end this segment by saying the PWHL great product has some nifty rule changes I think the NHL could adopt and would benefit the, the league overall. And as I'm watching this, Patrice Bergeron, like wearing his Boston PWHL shirt, like addressed the team before their game. So like the NHL guys are behind it. And
1: there's I think a that's a
2: good picture cool. of
0: him and Knight as well.
2: Well JT Comfer's sister, Jesse Comfer, plays for Toronto. So there's ties mm-hmm. all over throughout the NHL. You've got Sarah Nurse plays in the league. So there's ties throughout the whole throughout the whole league to the NHL. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. We spent more time on this than I thought we were going to, but it's a really interesting subject because it gives us more good high level hockey to watch. So we're gonna take a break. Word from our sponsor, we'll be back in just a few minutes to talk about kind of just the recent Red Wings news, uh, what went on during that San Jose game, and then some of what's happening at the World Juniors. We'll be back in just one minute.
3: Red Wings fans, you can bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. And now that Patrick Kane is in Detroit, those odds might just be getting better. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2003. All rights reserved.
2: And we're back. And I think we're just going to run through the Red Wings news since we last recorded. There hasn't really been much news. There's just been moves. So, Berger and Zarnick were reassigned to the Grand Rapids Griffins. Christian Fisher reactivated from injured reserve. His head is apparently okay. And uh, Zach Aston-Reese was recalled from the Grand Rapids Griffins on the first of the year. He did not play against San Jose, but he was recalled. So those were the Red Wings'
0: moves that happened during. I think the- that was more of a just in case type move yeah. for the road trip.
2: Yeah, I think that was a just in case thing too. Uh, they are on a West Coast trip, like we said. We hate West Coast trips. We stay up really late. But the Red Wings eked out a five to three win against the San Jose Sharks where they were able to keep a lead, I guess, for more than five seconds before giving it up. But what happens like the Red Wings score and we've got like we're into it one to nothing until like two minutes before the period ends. And then San Jose scores. And then we do the same thing in the second period. In the third period, it gets kind of crazy. David Perron, though, two goals. Lucas Raymond was your best player with three assists. Olimata played a good game. Dylan Larkin was all over the ice. Jake Wallman, after having some atrocious games, picked his game up and had a good one. Mo Sider and Jake Wallman were not at the bottom of the list. The person that was awful all night, and I'll just say awful because he was, Shane Gossesbear, was so bad during that game. Defensive lapses, turnovers in the offensive zone. uh, Like didn't know what he was doing, which was kind of weird because ghost for the first 25 games was one of our better defensemen. And the past few games has been not great.
0: I mean, he's still driving play offensively, but the gaffes and the, what are you doings have been taking over the conversation rather than him. Like I just want going through highlights as we're talking here. And he had a great step in and feed that led to a scoring chance late in the third period when the game was tied. I mean, obviously I'm not getting the whole picture because I was passed out uh, before puck drop last night, but there's, it it seems like he gets excited. And when he gets excited, the puck doesn't stay on, on his stick. It's like, he's gripping it too hard. It starts to, he's either missing a pass. It's bouncing over his stick. He's missing a puck handle or he's too aggressive on it. And then it's going the other way. We've seen it way too often, especially with him on the power play where we've got an odd man rush against or a breakaway because of something that he did. Not to say that everyone else hasn't had that same type of moment this season because that's just how things have gone. But, yeah, he, he he's one of those now where the other guys have kind of stepped it up. And now the focus has maybe shifted a little bit on him because – they're now maintaining some decently consistent play over the last several games where his has kind of been like kind of going back and forth. So it, it's a tough situation because you look at the stat line and he's still putting points up on the board for you. And it's really hard. It's He's kind of fallen into the filipronic trap where yeah. like right now he is fourth in the team in points. He's got 27 through 37 games, but he's a minus 17. I know we don't like to go into the plus minus. But those certain situations that we just kind of touched on, he's the only one that has a significantly bad look other than Raymond is got a minus 10. Joe Valeno is a minus 11. No one else is okay. Peron's an eight and then everyone's six and he's still, but then you got half your roster at a zero or above.
2: Well, if you look at his last game, if you look at that game versus San Jose, and you look at a guy who's offensive, so he's supposed to be driving play, right? He's supposed to be making passes. He's supposed to be keeping the puck in the offensive zone. He's supposed to be uh, scoring goals. He had a Corsi four on five on five in that game of 21.9%. If you look at his relative Corsi percentage, which is the player when they're on the ice versus when they're not, they controlled the puck 32% less when Shane Goss, the was on the ice Versus when he was not. Lucas Raymond had the highest course-y, relative Corsi at 31.6%.
0: And you know what's bad about that? Because you mentioned that I was at 5-on-5, five five, correct? His Corsi 4 at 5-on-5 five five was a 21.9. His offensive zone start percentage was almost 60%. In all situations for the game. Which means he, was, he
2: lost the puck immediately.
0: In all situations for the game, meaning even shorthanded, he was at a 66.7% offensive zone start percentage. So he is starting more often than not in the zone when in all situations, he had a 28.9 course for. Now that's, that's actually impressive when you look at it in the sense that you're getting these offensive zone starts for a reason. We know that it's there. He's shown it. God knows how many times this season, but that is, I mean, you look at the uh, what's the chart that we always see post the mini post game. Oh um, yeah. Like a
2: hockey stat card.
0: Yeah. The stat card, Brutal. which will be up on the screen. And it speaks to that Corsi percentage right there in a way like it's, you just like, man, cause the talent's there, but now it also kind of speaks to why you've seen him float around the league a little bit since he had those standout years with Philly. So it's, it, it's like a damned if you do damned if you don't almost for him, but again, that's like it's almost unfair to Horonic to compare him to in the same way because really with Heronick, the gas are, I don't even say gasp, but the, the moments of angst for us were more specifically in the defensive zone. We didn't have those types of issues other than him just not getting on the on the score sheet in the offensive zone. There was a, a simpler mode of play, if you will, going on. Ghost, like I said, the puck just seems to bounce with him more than anyone. And it's it's getting to a point of, like, I'm not saying maybe he has a night off. We've already seen that happen, and it kind of rejuvenated him. Maybe we need to see that again.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and honestly, you know, the best part about him is typically the first pass, and I don't feel like that's been uh, there either recently. I feel like they're wasting time trying to get the puck out of the zone. Their breakout hasn't been as good, I don't feel like. But, I mean, we talk about the defensive lapses, right? Like, you know, we have. I, I don't think us three have talked totally like in, in a discussion about the defensive lapses like what do you think the issue is is it the pl- is it the personnel is it the um you know the defensive zone coverage like where do you think it's breaking down it, i think the first
0: part of its communication and for some reason it seems like no one is comfortable with each other in the defensive zone like that even goes as far as the defensive pairings that we're seeing out there and we've kind of hit this Tyler and some of the episodes where you haven't been here lately where it's just me yelling about what the hell are they doing defensively as their scheme? Like what is their plan? Because we see it over and over that they're typically going to a man to man type defense, but then you've got two guys chasing one person. So right there, there's immediately communication. So two, that also means that are they, they think they get, they're floating over each other or is the scheme to try to push on one person to force a turnover? Because more often than not, they're kind of running into each other and just kind of seem lost when that ends up happening, because then now you put your defense in a bad spot, which thus you've put your goalie in a bad spot. So part of me, a lot of it to me is the scheme and a lack of communication because the scheme can work, but I don't think right now with the way things have gone for a large chunk of the season, really December for that matter, that it's an effective way to utilize the roster. We know they've got speed. We've already seen that they can play with a lot of the top teams, but, Teams such as like the one I always like to refer to, Carolina, they will smother you with the way that they play on the puck. Detroit can't play that same style of hockey. They've got to go east-west and then go north-south. To me, scheme and communication are the the biggest issues right now.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And I'll say one other thing too, uh, penalty kill-wise, I feel like they get lost. Yes, communication is an issue, but they're playing a diamond when they're, when they're killing a penalty. They're playing the diamond instead of playing a traditional box or, or, or small box. They're not shifting, and they're not taking each other's like spots. They're playing that diamond a little bit too high, so that defenseman that's, la- that's last, because it's like one defenseman, and then you have a defenseman, and then a winger, and then a center up top, like, that back defenseman is letting someone behind them every power play that, that, that they get hemmed in their zone for more than, you know, 25 seconds or something like that. Like, they just, I don't know if it's communication. I don't know if it's a lack of talent. I don't think it's a lack of talent. I think that most of the defensemen on this team know how to play defense and know how to defend for the most part. You can't let someone behind you. That, that goes for when you're shorthanded, and that also goes for, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're at full strength. You cannot let people behind you. You have to clear the front of the net. I played defense at some points in my life, and the one thing that every coach will tell you, and I'm not sitting here trying to tell you, oh, I did this and I did that. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm just trying to say that every coach will tell you, do not let anyone behind you. Do not let anyone behind you. That's That's not what you're supposed to do, and I don't know for what reason on this team these defensemen continuously let people behind them and let for easy tap ins and easy little mini breakaways.
2: Yeah, that was evident last night when the sharks were on the power play. Now the red wings power play was good last night. They had four uh, power plays and they converted on two of them. Daniel Sprong was a dog all night, just constantly rushing up ice, constantly getting attempts on net. He got a beautiful bomb and it was great, but you saw that on the penalty kill against San Jose where it was just constant cycle in the Red Wings zone when San Jose was on the, uh, was on the power play. Now, Lion made some spectacular saves last night, and he made a great toast. If you watch the replays and you see the sprawled out toe stop, phenomenal stuff. But uh, like Ryan, we had, you had said earlier, they were all about screening their own goalie last night. And on the penalty kill, it was just constant cycling by the Sharks. And it was like they were almost afraid to try and poke the puck away. They just kept chasing and chasing around in circles until San Jose kept getting shots on net. And it was it's frustrating to watch because you did you talked about communication and that's what it is on the power play. And even in in regulation or in five on five, it seems like and it's mostly defense, I believe, doesn't communicate. They're chasing the same guy. They're not swapping dudes that they're covering and then leaving dudes wide open in the slot. Like those have been the problems recently where people will say, oh, uh, Petrie made the right move and Ben Chirot was late or there was just uh, uh, Ben Chirot made the right move and Petrie should have never collapsed or whatever. That's the lack of communication. They're not talking to each other.
0: It can work. In theory, it can work. Like some people are going to blame a forward there, but uh, okay, well, if that's the case, then they would have been there. Because if you're going to leave, like you have to have trust with the guys that you're with on the ice to know what they're going to do. And more often than not, I think that's, there's a very large lack of that. And I liked someone's comment recently about you're you can see that with the goaltending. They don't look comfortable because it's almost like they don't know what's going to happen in front of them with their, either the defenseman or the forwards. And we've yeah, seen and that this a team. Lot. They're like, in he- the
2: most uncertain position possible.
0: Yeah. And it, it, we've seen it even more so because we, again, we had Justin Hall, given a solar eclipse with a Sharks player in San Jose. We had Ben Sherat literally standing in front of Lyon's face, and which led to a goal. Like, you would think in some of these instances we're watching the Charlestown Chiefs. And that's not really something
1: to be proud of outside the fact that Slapshot's a fantastic movie. Going back to communication, like, yeah, that's on the players. It's, it's also on the coaching staff. To uh... Yeah, it's the, it's the same stuff over and over again like us here
0: see it they've got to see it i mean we need to talk to jack Hahn of all people to give us a true 101 of how communication works for these these guys but
1: continue tyler it's not even like it's it's a a difficult thing to communicate it's just like i'm here i'm here i'm here you're there you're there one hard one hard. like it's it's not it's it all it's the not time a- when they're calling for the puck from the goalie it's not a difficult thing to do. And like, again, I played at a pretty high level of hockey. So I, I kind of know how, how a lot of things work um, and playing some defense playing junior hockey. I know like it, you have to talk out there. You have to talk out there. You, you can't be someone that's not vocal out there. You have to, you have to talk. And so that does come down to coaching. I'm not blaming Derek Lalonde. I'm not, but I am blaming whoever's coaching the defense. And and whoever's in charge of the defense, I'm not off the top of my head. I'm not sure who it is, but that comes down to that coach. And and you know when you're watching video and say, are you guys talking out there? Because if you're not, I want to hear you guys talking. And also, it goes back to practice too. Are they talking in practice? Because if you don't talk in practice, you're not going to talk in the game. We used to get screamed at in in junior practices for not for not yelling and and calling for the puck and. And communicating even on the power play and on the penalty kill, same thing. We used to get screamed at because the coaches would always say, "If you're not going to talk in the practice, you're not going to talk in a game." And bad habits start in practice. And you know the same goes to the NHL guys, and, and on a worse level because they're paid to do this. There's
0: a, a completely different expectation too when you get to that level, obviously. But you mentioned that what your coaches would say with communication at juniors, we hammer that home in 11U softball. Like ask Pete, he's heard, he's heard the coaches say that when at the games, our practices nonstop are, you have to talk to each other. You have to know when a play is about to happen, when a pitch is about to come through for your pitcher, shortstop, second baseman, run around first, you guys got to talk to each other figure out what's going on before the pitch. You got to talk, communicate with your outfield. It's all simple stuff going way back to when these guys are young. Now we just gotta do it, do it up here. Because we know, we see when this team's clicking on all cylinders, what can happen. Now we, we, we would like that back, please.
1: Who is in charge of the defense? Do we know?
2: It
0: should be Bob Boogner, right? Penalty
2: killing defense. They really don't okay, give their well, coaches. The Red Wings, the Red Wings do the one thing that kind of pisses me off. They're all assistant coaches, basically, but they don't have like titles. They don't be like, oh, Boogner's the, the offense or is the defense coach. They don't say Alex Tangay is the offensive power play coach. They just say they're, Assistant coaches. So that's the one thing that's like, well, I'd like to know who's in charge. Who who am I supposed to be yelling at or yelling about? Which who which person
0: does number two work for? A- exactly.
2: That's why they i mean, do that, though. <laughs> at the end of the day, I could just say, well, I guess we'll just blame Lalone because he's the coach. But if there if if Bugner is responsible for the defensive scheme and having those guys ready and putting that in practice and in play, then he's the one I should be yelling about. So. I mean, I guess I just don't know because they don't,
1: they don't tell you. And frankly, like, you know, you saying that I should just blame Lalone, that's what people are doing. I've seen people already saying fire Oh yeah, a bunch of people
2: are calling for him to be fired.
1: I don't agree with that. However, I will say that he's not off the hook. This is his operation. This is his scheme. This is, I mean, it's still year two, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but... You know, if they go into next season, if they miss the playoffs this year and then go to next season and they get off to a slow start, I can see them firing them. I'm not saying they should, but, you know, I mean, you the the shelf life in the NHL for a coach is not as long as it used to be. And I'll tell you what, especially that, on a fringe team. Exactly. Especially with the expectations here now.
2: Who's got the quote? Uh, a coach is hired to be fired. That's basically their job. Uh, there's, there's a, co- a coach that had said that recently, like you're hired to be fired. That's what a coach's job is. Um, but Dean
1: I everson that said that
2: may, no, it was before that. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, again, the Red Wings beat the sharks at the end of the day, they don't ask how they ask how many, and that is a two point win in regulation. Now, which you really needed and which you really need to take because your next opponent is the LA Kings. And that is going to be a very hard game for you. They did just call up Brant Clark. And uh, they put him on the first he was on the first pair in practice. So he's immediately going right to the top pair in L.A. So maybe you can take advantage of a fresh rookie D-man and catch him making some mistakes. But all I know is they need to come out with more jump. They need to show more energy during the game. They need to show more speed and they need to communicate. If they can communicate, they can be an effective team. And we've seen it. It just seems like it's broken down. Uh, There's a couple other things I want to talk about tonight. Uh, one, I want to start with the, uh, the World Juniors. I guess we'll start with Nate Danielson. There is now a talk out there. Jeff Merrick on the 32 Thoughts pro- uh, podcast said that Nate Danielson is in trade talks, could potentially land with the Portland Winterhawks. I believe that Brandon is misusing him. It looks almost like they're trying to showcase uh, draft eligible guys on the team. So they've kind of shifted Nate Danielson up and down the lineup. Uh, people are really pissed off. They're, they're, there are people that are, and they're wrong, but they're saying that Nate Danielson is a bust because he should be dominating the, the junior league because he's 19 or 18 playing in like a 17-year-old's league. But he's not being used how he should be used in Brandon. And that also carried over to the world juniors. Like in the world juniors, Uh, Nate Danielson was super underused. If you go and look at him versus his teammates, he had an average time on ice of 14 minutes and 29 seconds. Where your top forwards, I mean, were at 17 minutes and 46 seconds, 16 minutes and 26 seconds. If you look at uh, Macklin Celebrini, he had an average time on ice of 15 minutes and 57 seconds. And it looked like they were doing the same thing. It looked like they were pushing the guys that were what I guess you would consider bigger names but every time danielson was on the ice he was contributing he was controlling play his name was probably one of the most mentioned out of out of everyone on that team yet they underutilized him and even being underutilized he stood out pretty dramatically
1: it's it's
0: crazy too because every time he was on the ice what even though it didn't necessarily show in the points as a to, as as a whole i think they kind of struggled mm-hmm. Mostly with that in that final game against Czechia. He was out there in the third period. It seemed like every other shift and he still finished that game with 15 minutes and 45 seconds of time on ice. But every time he was out there, he was in the middle of something because he's not. It's a hard name to miss when you're watching a broadcast because and, you know, and the reason it's hard to miss is because they said it a lot. And a majority of it. I mean, he was blocking shots but he was also out there just wreaking havoc in the offensive zone and setting his guys up for something. I was kind of frustrated with the Owen Beck because it seemed like every time he got the puck in a feed from Danielson, he just lost it. And it was a beautiful feed, but then it was just gone. But that's a different gripe I had. But I thought overall in the games that I was able to see of of Nate, the great, he had a, a very good showing.
1: And for Being his first one too. I feel like Celebrini was even underutilized in a lot of cases for Canada. Um, when he was out there, it seemed like he was one of the better players on the ice. And they didn't really give him much of a chance, I don't think. I mean, I know he scored a goal, I believe, but like he wasn't he wasn't like a McDavid or like a Bedard or anything like that. And I guess you do earn that, but like in a short tournament like this, you gotta like understand what players are going and what players aren't going. Um you know, the United States uh, obviously going to be playing in the, in the semifinals now uh, against Finland, which is going to be a tough game. I think Finland's a really tough team uh, and they they usually give the United States hell, but we'll see. I think it looks like it's a collision course between the United States and Sw- Sweden. Um, speaking of Sweden, what do you guys think of Sandy Pelica's game so far? Holy shit. The kid is amazing. Like
2: that's a high, high level prospect. And I think it was Scott Wheeler from the athletic uh, had a thing that basically said that when he interviewed his coach said that this kid could be one of the best NHL players. Like when he's in the league, he could be one of the best players period. Axel Sandin Palika, because the things that he does, they said he, he compared him to Eric Carlson, that just when something goes wrong, he doesn't let it bother him. Like he's able to immediately reset and just turn it around. And I think that's the opposite of guys like um, that we have now. Like I feel like Michael Rasmussen has had too many things go wrong that it's just kind of ruined his confidence right now this season. And he just lets it get to him. But Scott Wheeler has a quote on here that says his ceiling is basically like he could be one of the best players in the world. And that's a pretty crazy statement. Uh, and his, yeah, his coach, uh, Robert Olson. So that he's a little bit the same as Eric Carlson. If they make a mistake, they don't worry about it. They just keep doing their thing. And it's not that he just has the offensive kind of instincts as Eric Carlson. The kid can also play defense. And he did get that overtime game winner that does move Sweden on to the semifinals. With an
0: effortless wrist shot.
2: Yeah, and he's, that's what he's done the entire season in the SHL so far. That's what he's doing right now at, uh, in the World Junior Championships. Right now, Axel Sandin-Pelika has five games played. He has a goal and he has two assists. He's averaging 20 minutes and 45 seconds of ice time. And it's just, he's been, he's as advertised. He's leading the top power play. If you're a person who's mad about trading Pronik, just know that you, have a, you drafted a much better player with that pick who is younger and is going to be in the cup window. And I mean, he could be in Detroit within two seasons easily because he's oh, just that next
1: year. I'd imagine. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would. I would hope he'd be in Grand Rapids next year. But I think he could be in Detroit within two seasons. And that's a guy who immediately slots into your second pair right wing underneath Mo, a right shot defenseman. And I mean, that's that shores up your second pair who you're having quite a bit of trouble with currently your second, your second pair right D right now is Jeff Petrie most nights.
0: And it also cements what you can do for your power play hands down. Like we know oh, yeah. if we're excited just for a Simon Evanson to come out and take over the power play. He's going to, if I will be very surprised if that first season ASP makes it to the NHL that he doesn't take over the top power play unit because he is going to take what we saw from Hronik and what the flashes we see from Goss' Bear, he's going to, to me, I think he has the potential to make them look like child's play.
1: Yeah, he, re- he reminds me a lot of, um, I-, I don't want to say specifically, but he reminds me a little bit of Brian Rafalski, where he's a really good offensive yeah, there defenseman. Um, kind of undersized a little bit, but I I feel like he still plays pretty tough. Really looking forward to seeing him come over to North America and see what it looks like over here. Um, I can imagine, I can't imagine that his offense is gonna take a hit, but I, you know, I think he's gonna have to learn the defensive game a little bit more. Um, being undersized, and then obviously playing in a closer quarters, tighter, um, you know, AHL versus you know, a a more wide open SHL kind of thing. Yeah, who's the on? Skeptia?
2: yeah, Aleftia, Ryan. Yeah, you
1: don't
2: well, pronounce the S.
0: I know Lars will yell at us, they are sitting fifth in the league standings in the shl right now so i don't know how their playoff situation
1: goes but maybe we'll get lucky and he's here end of season for grand rapids i think another guy that i've that i've kind of fallen in love with the way he plays and watching a lot of the sweden games uh that jonathan le Le guy is unbelievable i mean i'm not going to be one of those people saying oh we shouldn't have taken marco casper because i remember when when we were doing like the mock drafts and stuff, we thought that we would get La Karamaki, but Vancouver's got a really good player in, in him. There's there's a Lars, I told you so right there.
2: Well, if you want to look at Team USA, uh Trey Augustine, who was under the weather for the last game, uh, he has two wins. He has a uh 95.24 save percentage and a 1.5 goals against average. The kid's an absolute freak, man. Uh like we had talked about it last podcast. I'm not sure I've seen a more like steady kind of like goaltending prospect come through the Red Wings system than Trey Augustine. And if you think Sebastian Kosa is high level, I'll tell you that Trey Augustine is at that level, if not exceeding that level currently, especially on international ice where he's faced some stiff competition and it has not been an easy ride for him. Uh, But he has gone out there and he's made the game his it's been his game.
0: Yeah. We talked about him the other day and it's, it's a bummer that he hasn't been in but it's hard to be upset about what Fowler's done in his stead. And it's funny because you look at the head to head stats between Fowler and Augustine and Fowler's had his number. Now granted who's Fowler's with um, Boston college. I was waiting on Tyler to jump in on that one. And I was looking something up. I'm sorry. Yeah, of of course course
1: you were Boston college. Yep. But both these guys are with
0: arguably top tier and really Michigan state's kind of on a rebound in terms of college hockey, but he is helping them right along. I mean, you got guys like Bucci out there singing his praises for what he's doing. So when you get, when you get the Bucci grass, giving you some chicken parm love, I think you're, you're doing a pretty good job, but, uh, overall for USA though, him and Fowler have been wonderful. And I'm hoping that when this episode comes out, we're talking about a win of his come tomorrow for Thursday. If, if he's healthy or a hundred percent, I guess I should say, because you really don't want him in there under the weather or still not to hundred percent, but I guess best case scenario is if Fowler does go tomorrow, has a good showing. I still think if he got Augustine to actually back to normal, you could see him for the gold medal game, unless they want to continue to ride the hot hand, which, you know, how goalies can be. That's what you kind of you roll with if they make it to the gold medal match.
1: Yeah, one comparison I saw, not, not specifically the, his game uh, in terms of the way he plays, but, like, the trajectory and the, um, the path to the NHL is similar to, to a guy like um, Spencer Knight, where, you know, he's a high draft pick, played at the U.S. Uh, National Development Program, Played played in the world juniors now, and he's in college at the moment. He'll probably go back to Michigan State for one or two more years. And then you could see him either in the AHL or, or right right into the NHL. Uh Devin Levi style. I know Levi struggled a little bit, but super um, struggled. Spencer Knight figured it out. And obviously, you know, he was going through some stuff mentally and and whatever. But, you know, his trajectory was gonna be like, you know, a top 10 goalie in the NHL or maybe even lower than that. So it'll be interesting to see when, when he does get to the NHL, I'm sure it's probably still two or three years away, but
2: yeah, the last thing I would say about Trey Augustine is there was uh, Scott Wheeler again on the athletic did like an article about him and uh, Mike Towns, who's the team assistant coach joked that uh, Trey Augustine is a 40 year old trapped in an 18 year old's body. He says he probably gets up, reads the newspaper and checks the stock market. Jared DeMichael, which is their associate head coach, this is just a funny thing about him, says he was talking to him after a recent practice and the tape job on his stick was like demented and it's falling apart. And I was like, Trey, when's the last time you taped your stick? And he was like, well, first practice of the year. And I was like, you haven't taped your stick since the first practice? And he was like, nope. And I was like, we have guys who retape their sticks between periods and you've had the same tape job since September, but I don't think it bothers him. So again, it's another guy who just he has no fucks to give. He just goes out there and he plays his game and he's super calm doing it. And he's he's athletic, um, but he's poised. And he'd be a new version of Alex
0: Lyon, basically.
2: Yeah, Alex Lyon's weird as shit. And I think Trey Augustine is I think the weirder the goaltender is, the better they are, probably. And we've got like a super weird one. And uh, hopefully that. That bodes well for us. But uh I before we sign off tonight, guys, I want to get your final thoughts. And tonight we're gonna start with Ryan.
0: Uh final thoughts. I'm hoping I'll be able to watch what time does USA play tomorrow? Anybody know? 1:30. I probably will miss the game. That freaking sucks. So hopefully team USA can pull it out, get themselves a gold medal try. Kind of helps with Canada being eliminated. Granted. A lot of people would argue they're not surprised that they were. But either way, enjoy the ride while we can, and also enjoy the Red Wings' ride. Hopefully we can, you know, break the Pistons' record of a one-game win streak. So we'll see what happens. Already Ryan, 33.
1: Yeah, I mean, my final thoughts are I'm looking forward to seeing the two quarterfinal games. You have USA, um, Finland at 1 o'clock, and then you have uh, Sweden and Czech Republic at 9 in the morning, or Czechia, I guess. Uh, at this point, and then you have your gold medal game uh, at one o'clock on Friday. So that'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I think that the United States is a good shot. But again, as I said before, Finland is a tough team, and they've always played the United States just as tough as like the Russians used to, um, you know, back when they were in the tournament. Uh, so that's the one thing to keep in mind. Finland, especially if they take a lead, uh, can certainly be really frustrating to play against. So I'm looking forward to that. This is one of my favorite times of year. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, As for the Red Wings, you know, hopefully they can just uh, string a couple wins together here. I know L.A. will be tough, um, but then they got Anaheim and Anaheim is kind of a really bad team, too. So um, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sealedog91.
2: Yeah, my final thoughts are going to be there's no way in hell we are trading Axel Sandy and Palika for John Gibson. Uh, that's just not going to happen. Uh, same thing with Simon Edmondson. There was a rumor floating around. Like, uh, who was it? It was Bleacher Report said that uh, Pat Verbeek, because he's worked with Iserman, Detroit could be a landing spot for John Gibson. But Verbeek could seek a promising youngster such as Marco Casper, Simon Edmondson, or Axel Sandin Palika in return.
0: And, I'll give you uh, one used Jonathan Behrgren.
2: Yeah, that's it's an absolute uh, no. Yeah, you get Baragran in a fourth round pick. That's what you get for John Gibson, and you'll take it and you'll like it. Uh, but that's not going to happen. You can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Look a shout-out to the Hockey Podcast Network, where you can find our stuff. We thank them for hosting us and uh, passing us around on social media and everywhere. I uh, will give a shout-out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. I'd also like to give a shout out to uh, our YouTube yeah, channel. Special
0: shout out to my dad for the jersey piece. He'll understand.
2: But uh, our YouTube channel, go to YouTube, check us out, uh, Grindline Podcast. Uh, turn, subscribe, turn on notifications. we will get to every time an episode goes live. And our merch at RedBubble.com by searching the Grindline. Uh, but that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, down.